Hi everybody, welcome to Compulsive Overeating Diary, day 60. It's now been 21 weeks, three days, since I began this experiment where I talk about my thoughts and feelings about compulsive overeating rather than heading for the chips. And today we have a really great day. It's Stephanie's secret topic number three. That's right, brave companions. I'm sitting up here at the next to top Zen place on the beautiful mountain. It's a very hot day, but at least it's not humid. And we're going to find out what's on Stephanie's mind. Before that, I'm going to give a shout out to Helen and put her on the bravery report, but I'm not gonna tell you why. <laughs> I'm gonna put myself on the bravery report and I'm gonna tell you why. We're also gonna have a couple of good comment conversations and a question by Cheryl. Can we have fun without having to eat? So stay tuned while we listen to Josh Woodward's wonderful, I'm letting go and I'll decide what I'm gonna let go of today. But I'm letting go, I'm letting go, it's a history that never really grows, I'm letting go, I'm letting go, it's a silent wind that never really blows, I'm letting go. Thanks, Josh. I've got a couple of things to let go of today. The first one might sound minor, but it's probably kind of a big deal since it's the first thing that popped into my mind. And that is to let go of the perfectionism feeling that's happening as I am being buzzed by these darn flies up here at the top of the Zen place. Because it's so hot and because I'm sweating, these flies are thinking that my sweat would be delicious for them to drink. And so they are buzzing around me like crazy. So every once in a while I have to stop recording in order to take my big hat and flop it around my head to get this swarm of flies to go away. So until I dry out a little bit more, you might hear some buzzing on the mic. Now, if it gets too bad, I will stop and flap the hat. But if I'm in the middle of a thought, well, that's what it is. I'm sitting here on a beautiful day with a beautiful view in a shady spot with the companionship of flies. Now I got that annoyance off my chest. I will pretend that I am a Zen person and these flies have every right to be here as much as me. But I tell you the truth, brave companions, at this moment I could wish all these flies is to blazes. Now I know that's not very Zen and not very nice, but you know, all creatures up here on the mountain, this is their home, and I'm here sitting in their living room. So I guess I should quit being so gosh darn angry when something comes to interrupt my thoughts. Wow, there's a really cool bird just flew by, and there's a hummingbird hovering right in front of me. So I guess I can put up with this little bit of annoying nature in order to enjoy all of the other nature. But you know, I'm putting it off. You know how I do that? I tell you a story or kind of say something funny or, or try to, oh, see, there's my fly comes in, <laughs> tries to tell you something else when I have a big deal to tell you. And the big deal I don't really want to tell you, but I'm going to because I promised you that I would tell you how things are with me, is what I think I need to let go of is my eating disorder identity. That's right, I think I need to let go of telling myself I'm a compulsive eater or a binge eater. Now, do I deal with compulsive overeating? Oh yes, I still do. 
and do I deal with being prone to having binge eating episodes? Yes, I do. But I think I need to stop telling myself that that's who I am because I am not just someone who binge eats on occasion. I'm not someone who's just dealing with compulsive eating on occasion. I have a lot more things going on. And yesterday, Mark and I again rode our bikes up from the Rose Bowl to Descanso Garden. And that's about five miles, mostly uphill. And I did that, and I felt more tired than the last time I did it, but still I just did it, and it was awesome to me. And I sat up there at Descanso for a few minutes and drank some water and realized I feel really perfectly fine with my body. I feel overwhelmingly that today's a beautiful day and that I just rode up from Pasadena. I wasn't thinking about what can I eat later. I wasn't thinking, gee, I wonder how many calories that burned and if the hill would burn more calories. I realized I wasn't thinking about calories or food at all. Not at all, brave companions. I was thinking about how my muscles felt and how my breathing was and what a good day it was and how glad I was to be there with my husband. And I think that's someone who is not a compulsive eater, who is not a binge eater in that moment. That's a person who's actually living life, not through the filter of food addiction, not through the filter of dieting, not through the filter of planning the next time you can be alone to eat something. That is what it feels, at least as far as I know, to be normal. I don't think I've ever had that feeling before. So I decided that I need to build on that. I still say this podcast is Compulsive Overeating Diary because that is the main event that lets me know when something else is going on in my life. I'm still going to discuss intuitive eating and all that's going on with that eating because that's helping me identify with my life. And I know now that the robot aliens and my drive to diet and my weird compulsive brain figuring out every calorie and every thought about food is really just the way I learned how to cope with the other stuff. And I know I've said this to you before, but I'm telling you what happened to me yesterday is that I felt it down in my soul. I felt it in my guts, my body, what, however you believe it. The part of me that is me, the part of me that is the me that looks out at all the world in a calm manner and isn't buffeted around by other things, felt normal and free of thoughts of food. I'm going to say that again because it was so profound to me. I felt free of thoughts from food. And that is absolutely amazing to me. That gives me so much hope that I can't tell you. I actually experienced a moment in my life free from the thoughts of food. Wow. Well, 
Before we go on to other things, I wanted to give a couple of shout outs. Now, I told you that Helen, who we met in episode 58, who posted on day six, is on the Bravery Report. And I emailed her and asked her permission to tell you why she's on the Bravery Report. But since I haven't heard back from her yet, and I don't know that she will ever give me permission, you will never know. But trust me, she did something brave. So, Helen, if you're out there right now, Bravo to you, brava, brava. You are on the bravery report, well done. And brave companions, if she gives me permission, I'll tell you next time exactly what she did. Now I'm putting myself on the bravery report too because I did a couple of things yesterday that I'm very proud of. Number one, I went to Meetup and I found a voiceover social group and I joined it and I'm going to go meet up with them. And my critical compulsive brain is saying, you're not a voiceover artist. You, have, you can't join this group. You can't go butt into that. What have you got to offer? But the group is for people that do this work and people who are interested in it. I'm certainly interested in it. And I can sit there and meet with these people and hear what they have to say and socialize and, you know, just dabble my toes into the experience of what is it like for them to be voiceover artists. That's something I'm very interested in. And there's nothing wrong at all with me going to meet them for some drinks and to, to meet them. But I'm telling you, Brave Companions, this was a big deal, big letter, put myself on the bravery report moment. Because in the past, my compulsive mind would have talked me out of it and given me all the critical reasons why I should not. Now I'm going to go and I might find some really great new acquaintances or friends, or I might find out, you know, this group isn't something I want to continue with, but I'm going to try it. So I'm patting myself on the back and I'm giving me kudos because I searched out something that was interesting to me and I committed to give it a try. I'm also putting myself on the bravery report because I really want to start thinking about how can I find groups to let me speak about my experience like I'm talking to you. Now, I don't know who that might be. If I should be talking to people at hospitals, if they have groups that they'd like to hear from me, or if I should be going to Kiwanis clubs, or I don't know. But just in case, I made some business cards up for myself yesterday and I put on there, besides my name, Overcoming Binge Eating Disorder, Raw and Truthful Podcaster, Experienced Speaker, and my phone number. Wow, I actually put on there what I think I am, which is basically a good podcaster and a good speaker and my name and my phone number. So they know what my topic is and they know how to reach me and I didn't fill my card with hedge or anything else. It even has my picture, you know, my hiking picture logo that I use on the, the podcast art. And I was very proud of myself for actually sitting down and creating this business card with the intention of having it in my pocket in order to pass it out in case I had that opportunity. Because like I said before, I'm trying in every which way I can not to limit myself from trying to do what I want to do. And I love this podcast and I want to do this as long as I physically can. I love to do it and I love to hear from you guys. But I also super enjoy when I go in front of live 
groups, and I don't care if it's small groups or big groups. I love to talk with the people and have that live interaction with them. That is some of my favorite things to do. And I'm no longer scared, thanks to you and all this practice I've gotten podcasting, about my stuttering or my brain freezes or any of that. Because I could just say, well, if I start stuttering, (laughs) I'll raise my hand and and pass out some jokes you can read while I'm I'm recovering or something. I'll, I'll deal with it. So, brave companions, I guess I'm going to say this too. I don't know who's listening to me right now. But if you're listening to this podcast and you are an event planner or you have a group or you know of some group that you think I should try, feel free to contact me through the contact form or at lori at compulsiveovereatingdiary.com because I would love to have your advice. I would love to get in touch with you if you have some ways for me to pursue this further. And I'm going to do what I can here locally in my own community. But, you know, You never know who's listening, and you guys might have some great talent and advice and experience on how to restart my speaking desire again. So, the fact that I even asked you, I'm putting myself on the bravery report report for being assertive also. I want to give a big happy Canada Day to you. That was a couple of days ago, and I put a post on my blog that showed you my miracle plate. But before I get more onto the miracle plate, I wanted to give a shout out to Misha from Canada, who gave me a five-star review and said, Lori is genuine, truthful, and caring. So thank you, Misha. I so appreciate that. Go Canada. I love that. And thank you, Alan, for giving me the tool so that I can see all the countries on iTunes where people give me a review. That is so awesome. Well, on Canada Day, I was trying to practice intuitive eating. And so I actually made myself a snack when I was hungry, which was a handful of cherries and a piece of pear tart or pie with some homemade whipped cream on it because that's kind of what I'm really hungry for these days for a snack, because I've been denying myself homemade whipped cream for years, and that's something I really, really like. And I was eating this snack, and I ate all the cherries, Rainier cherries, really good. And I was eating the pie and really enjoying it, you know, really liking it. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the darn pie, I could hear the darn satisfaction signal hit my brain. My brain told me, You're done eating. And I'm like, F you, brain, this pie is delicious. Why do I have to stop eating? And the brain's like, well, you could keep eating, but you're done. You're not hungry anymore. I'm like, darn it. But I put my fork down. And I was so impressed with myself that I took a picture of my miracle plate and I posted it on my blog. So you can see it if you go to compulsiveovereatingdiary.com. And I'll put the link on today's show notes or you could search for miracle and you will see this picture. But also on this page, I did a couple of other things that struck me as funny that day. Because Brave Companions is part of my stats... I can see sometimes what the search phrases are that bring you to compulsive overeating diary. Now, usually these phrases are something like overeating or Lori Weaver or something like that brings you to compulsive overeating diary. But this phrase was ice pack burn on skin images. (laughs) 
<laughs> that just really made me laugh because it ended them going to my robot alien post where I talk about robot aliens and show this picture of my ice burn. So that really amused me. So I put the link to where that came and, and tell that little story. But then also I introduced on day 54 a new feature, which I thought you guys would like to try, called Foolish Fun. And the thing behind Foolish Fun wasn't really a big deal. It's because I love to hear from you when you either call the Bravery Hotline or when you use SpeakPipe or when you send me an audio file via email. And on the website, I have a how to send audio page. So if you go to your computer, you can read that page and see it or on your phone and see all the ways you can send me audio. Now, I love it. But I realize that as people dealing with compulsive overeating or other eating disorders, one, you don't always want your name to be known, and you don't always want to be spilling your guts, even though every time one of you have called the Bravery Hotline, I get a lot of positive feedback from other Brave Companions who say, oh, I was so happy to hear Brandy, or I was happy to hear Cheryl, or I was happy to hear Sandy, Whoever called, you know, they're, they're very happy to hear it, but everyone feels so timid about calling the Bravery Hotline or sending audio that I thought that this would be a really kind of fun way to put more of your Brave Companion voices on the show without you having to reveal who you are at all. And my thought was like, you could go on the internet and find yourself a joke. In fact, even I gave you a link to my old website for kids, Tuna Cat's joke page, where there's a ton of jokes. I'll tell you one. So my idea was that you would call up and say like, hi, here's my joke. What did the two pennies say to one another? Let's get together and make some sense. <laughs> I mean, that's it. That's it. You didn't have to say your name. And you would be sandwiched between the opening that Mark made for me about foolish fun. And it would just be a way for you to be able to do something brave, something silly, something fun, maybe to do something instead of binging, you know? When you're bored, what could I do? Oh, I know, I'll call the Bravery Hotline and I'll, I'll tell a knock-knock joke. Or if you're good at, at singing, you could sing a song. Or if you like to play the kazoo, you could do that. You know, one of my hidden talents is I can list all 50 states from the United States of America in less than 30 seconds. So I could have called the Bravery Hotline and done that. Here, I'll give you a preview. Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Florida, Georgia, Hawaii, Idaho, Illinois, Indiana, so on and so forth. So you get the idea. I mean, I thought foolish fun was just exactly that. Something fun and a way to get you onto the program that wouldn't be threatening to you and wouldn't make you ashamed if someone accidentally heard it in future. That's what I thought it was. But, you know, it's just been crickets. So either not enough of you have gotten up to episode 54 yet, or it just doesn't appeal to you, or you haven't found a good joke that you want to tell, or whatever reason. But on this web post that I did about my miracle pie, I put this on the bottom. I wrote this, last ditch attempt to drum up some interest and foolish fun. Quote, the following is brought to you by the, oh, come on, isn't there one of you who thinks this is a fun thing to do? Really? Feeling like my sense of humor and what brave companions enjoy must really be lacking, but I'll give it one more go department. And then I give you the little blurb on here. Want to have fun being foolish too? 
participate in our new feature called Foolish Fun. Just call the Bravery Hotline, 206-350-6445, or check out the Send Audio page and tell us a joke, riddle, a silly story, limerick, sing a song, play a kazoo, anything but talk about compulsive eating. This is the feature where messing up is just part of the act. No names required and silly aliases are A-OK. -okay. Need ideas? See Day 54's Resource of the Day for my page of Tuna Cat Jokes. Okay, so I admit it. It was one last try to see if anybody in the world out there would like to participate in Foolish Fun. But I didn't take it as anything scary or intimidating. But Cheryl, my good friend, posted this comment on that topic. Hmm, it's interesting. This is a scary topic for me. I think I'm afraid if I have fun, I'll eat a lot because having fun usually involves at least snacking. Seems like I must be missing out on a lot of life. Now, when I read this, now remember, this is a very short blog post with not too much on it. And she said that, that this is a scary topic. For me, it's, it's so easy to talk to you. I just, you know, I, I couldn't even figure out what she was talking about. So I said to her, hey, which is scary, the pie or telling a joke for the foolish fun feature? And Cheryl says, the whole allowing myself to have fun thing. I mean, I went to Salt Lake with the homies on Friday night and we ate the whole time. We were gone. We had a few drinks. It just seems like everything I enjoy doing with friends revolves around food. So I'm hesitant to cut loose and have a good time normally. Besides which, I have a horrid sense of humor. Do other people feel that way? Are you getting anyone calling? Me. Sadly, no calls. Hence my last try on this post. This puzzles me no end. But it is what it is, my friend. Foolish fun was meant to, break, to be a break from stress, not another reason to feel badly. So take a breath and feel happy with the things that make you happy. And if you ever run across a good knock-knock joke online someday, give the Bravery a hotline a call and you will have your non-food fun day view. As to if others feel the same, I'll ask on the next show. So after that, I talked to Mark and said, Mark, show brings up this good point. What are the things that we do for fun, and do they all of them involve food? Well, I know when we go to the movies, I don't eat popcorn. I usually just drink water. And even when I'm overeating, I don't tend to eat popcorn too much because lately in the theater, to me, the popcorn tastes terrible. <laughs> I just don't like it. It's, it's overly salty and stale tasting. Now, I will admit, some of the small theaters that run kind of the arty films, the independent films, they have smaller numbers of attendees to the movies, and so they pop their popcorn fresh. And so I do really like to have popcorn if I go to those theaters, but most of the big movie theater chains, I, I just won't eat it because I don't like it. I just don't, right? But I will eat some milk duds, I, I will give you that. But Mark cannot tolerate at all going to a movie theater of any kind without popcorn. He says, I just can't do it. I don't feel like I've been to the movies if I haven't eaten popcorn. Even if we just had a great big lunch, because sometimes what we do is we go have a lunch and then we go to the movie after. And I say to him, how, how come you like to eat this popcorn after lunch? Not trying to be a bitch or, or button to his food, I'm just kind of curious, right? And he said, I just have to have popcorn when I'm at the movie. Otherwise, I do not feel like I've been to the movie. So then we talked about other things like 
Hiking and biking have always been activities that we share with each other and also with our friends. We have friends that like to hike and bike. Like right now, we go biking every now and again with brave companion Sandy. And for a lot of our friends, our biking and hiking expeditions involve eating a whopping amount of food afterwards because we're so hungry from hiking all day long or for doing a long bike ride that we will be like super congratulating ourselves and, and have some beers and, and eat some french fries and things like this and say these really taste good to us. In fact, some of it wasn't really like exercise bulimia, but the whole social structure of us doing these exercise activities was around the eating. The eating kind of capped off the day. And of course, going out to dinner involves eating. That's something that we like to do, go out to a nice restaurant and, and eat. But I think that's aside from the point. If we have people over for cards, we would serve snacks. And so as we were going through our list of things, for the most part, I mean, book club, we even have something to eat. We meet at a restaurant and we're eating our lunch while we're discussing the book. So I think Cheryl has a point. A lot of things that we do with other people have a food component and I think that that is absolutely okay and all right because I think all the world over when you are spending time with your family or friends socially, food is part of that experience. But then I got to thinking about stuff that I do myself, like when I come up here to podcast, I enjoy that. I don't have to eat except for I do eat my green apple. It helps my voice be more clear. Or I might eat a little if I feel I need energy, but I don't go home and, and say, now I, I have to eat because I've been hiking. When I do artwork, I don't eat. Now I do like to eat when I'm watching television, and that can be kind of a mindless trap for me, so I'm trying to to not do that since I've been practicing intuitive eating. But watching TV is kind of like Mark in the movies and the popcorn. I kind of have that habit of if I'm watching the TV, I kind of want that hand-to-mouth thing going on. So that's a habit I'm trying to break. But in my own life, I do plenty of things on my own that I consider fun or for fun that don't involve food. So how about you? I'd like to know what you think. Like, is there anyone else out there who just feels like any fun that you have must involve food or will trigger you to have food if you are doing it? Because that's a really interesting idea to me and I would love to hear it. If anyone of you is brave enough to call the Bravery Hotline and actually discuss it, that would be double awesome. But if you don't, just come to day 60 and post your thoughts and comments so that we can open this comment discussion about the topic. And I'm still not giving up hope. If you will tell a joke, whistle or sing or do any silly thing, call the Bravery Hotline or send any of your audio and I will put it on Foolish Fun as a feature. And if I don't hear anything from you guys for a while, I will just understand that this isn't something that appeals to you and will stop bringing it up. Because even though it would be fun for me to hear it, if it's not fun for you to do it, then I don't want it to happen. Hooray! It's amazing because I'm sitting up here at the next to upper Zen spot and my phone actually has reception and Helen just gave me permission to tell you the story of what happened. 
Yay, thanks, Helen. This is really cool. So this is why Helen is on the Bravery Report. Helen introduced herself on day six, and I welcomed her on day 58. Then on day 59, I welcomed a Facebook user named Lucy and said hello to her and posted to her on Facebook. Well, yesterday, Lucy told me, I have to tell you I'm really Helen, the one that you already welcomed, but I was too scared to post my real name on Facebook in case someone would see it. So she made up Lucy as an alias to be able to post on Facebook freely, and she felt kind of bad about that, so she decided to change her Lucy account back to Helen so that she is now one and the same person. So everybody who said hello to Lucy, you were saying hi to Helen. And she's letting me tell this story because it brings up a couple of good points. There are many, 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 many brave companions out there who do not feel comfortable liking Compulsive Overeating Diary on Facebook as themselves because they're uncomfortable letting their friends, family, co-workers, whoever is on their regular Facebook account see that they like Compulsive Overeating Diary and they might talk to them about why do you like Compulsive Overeating Diary, you know. They're not ready to talk about those topics. So I totally understand it. And if you wanted to do like Lucy, slash Helen did and make a special alias so that you can come participate on Facebook, that doesn't hurt my feelings. And if you want to make an alias to come comment on Compulsive Overeating Diary, that doesn't hurt my feelings. If you want to make an alias to call the Bravery Hotline, that doesn't hurt my feelings because everybody in their journey is where they are. Okay, if you feel like you would love to be more visible, but you feel intimidated about what people will think or that you'll be identified as the real you, it's okay to make an account that's only for compulsive overeating diary and participate that way if that's where you are. But if you're feeling just a little more brave like Helen is, Helen's ready to say, you know what? It's okay for me now. I'm going to be Helen and admit that that's who I am and I'm going to participate as myself. So that's another step in the journey. Not everybody's there yet. It was a big deal. It's a big deal to go from I'll participate under an alias to I'll participate as myself. And it's not so much that I care whether I'm saying hi to Lucy or hi to Helen. You know, it's not about that for me. I don't need to know your real name unless you're like Brave Companion Sandy and we're actually going to meet up with each other and get to know each other, you know. But it's for you because I think each step of the way where you are ready to reveal your true self to others, whether it's on our website or on the Bravery Hotline or to a friend or a family member, someone safe. You know, when you actually let yourself be known and people treat you kindly, that's a big deal. Look what you've done for me, brave companions. You have all of you treated me so kindly, no matter what I do or say 
you know, I've done well and I've had screw-ups and all kinds of things. And yet you treat me kindly. And I always, every single show, I promise you, I promise you that I am being exactly how I am that day. I'm not trying to be good, or if I am trying to be good, I'm saying to you, hey, brave companions, I'm trying to be extra good today. I try to tell you accurately how I am, and that's involved all different levels of funniness, smartness, stuttering or not, flies bugging me, saying the F word, you know, who knows what I'm going to say, and yet you, brave companions, have treated me kindly, and I must say that I have never seen another brave companion do anything but treat each other kindly in CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com. Also, the very first time that you post onto CompulsiveOvereatingDiary.com, your comment does not become approved until I see it. After that, your comments go forward. But I check it every single day, and if there was ever something that was unkind, I would delete it or make it not visible and contact that person. So it is a pretty safe place for you guys to come and post whether or not it says Lucy or Helen. So Lucy slash Helen, a second bravery report shout out for you. Thank you so much for giving me permission to share your story today. Before we hear Stephanie's third secret topic, I did want to read to you some comments about the scale used from last show, because as you know, I'm not quite ready to give up my scale, even though that's kind of like the first principle of intuitive eating, and, and I'm starting to understand more and more why that might be important to realize that whatever I weigh isn't really the issue. Because right now I'm kind of like seeing it and freaking out or, or feeling better. And, and it really should be more about how I'm feeling inside and how my body's feeling and how my internal hunger is feeling. But, you know, I've been a, a scale watcher for such a long time that it is, is just really hard for me. And I'm not quite there. And Stephanie and Sue were going to... Anyway, last, last show, Stephanie and Sue were seeing if they could stay off the scale themselves for 10 days. And Sue is still making the attempt, but Stephanie decided for understandable reasons that she just wanted to get weighed. And then later on, she wrote, this is Stephanie from Quebec. This scale thing may be part of a larger scheme that involves this obsession we all have for the quantification of ourselves. I don't know if that's the right expression as I translated it from French. I've been hearing about this topic and it makes perfect sense. This started in the business world being more and more prone to measure performance, but this is how translate but this is now translated in our personal lives. We are obsessed with numbers that quantify us. Myself, I quantify my sleep, my calories, my weight, my water consumption, etc. I am particularly obsessed with my running numbers, speed, mileage, heart rate, and a bunch of other stuff. Now, right now, I just printed out June's report on my running progress. I have all these little techno gadgets that help me with this over-quantification, too, and you should see all my apps. Your podcast triggered me to thinking some more about this issue with this very counterintuitive tracking stuff. Each of us have our own sets of numbers we like to monitor. For example, my teenager looks at her likes on social medias. My best friend quantifies her sex life to make sure it's steady and healthy. And she has that as an app. Imagine. And books sell because of titles such as Become Your Own CEO. Well, flash. News. My body is not a business. 
and she was going to say the F word too, but I didn't want to put that on to Stephanie. Anyway, she goes on. I just read an article on intuitive running. It's not actually called intuitive running, but that's what it is. It's funny. I fell on this article in the same time frame that your podcast, since they strongly relate. Listening to your body, not to your watch, to run better. I will be trying that, although to be honest, the watch will still be on me, but out of reach and eyesight, as I am not quite ready to completely let go. Ha, ha, ha. And I will go ahead and put that link because that is a really interesting article about running by listening to your own body. Okay, back to the conversation. Me to Stephanie. You make a very interesting point, Stephanie. Your phrase, quantification of ourselves, would be perfect in English for its meaning, though I've not heard of it. I think the reason for that is because most of us in today's day and age are so used to quantifying ourselves to compare how we're doing that the phrase would be redundant. Your runner reminds me of bike riding without my computer. Bike computers tell you everything. Your speed, average speed, cadence, revolutions per minute of the pedals, trip time, fastest speed. Often I would have my eye on the computer while riding to adjust my pace versus feeling my body's energy. I also never saw the wildlife along the river with my eyes glued to the darn computer. Then my battery ran out and we just didn't replace it for a few rides. Riding blind, just listening to my body to push when I felt like it, to tackle the hills as I could, I too improved my performance. And I saw all of the birds and the beauty of the ride. After replacing the battery, I now look at the computer pretty much only at the end of the ride or to see distance if we are training for a mileage. I think that is also part of our obsession with all numbers to prove we are good or better. Money, likes, comments even. But in reality, while it would look great to see 100 comments on this post, if they were all spam or people who didn't care really, what good would that do me in my journey or what good would it do the sincere, brave companions who benefit? One thoughtful comment such as yours provides true value and I'm starting to see this in all areas of my life. Buy what you truly need or truly love because stuff takes your time and attention. Eat what your body needs or truly loves because that makes you strong, energetic and delighted. Run, bike, hike with distance and endurance and speed as your body needs it and because your spirit loves it. And exercise will likewise be a delight, not a burden. You've really made me feel better about my scale, woe Stephanie. I am doing awesome with my biking and hiking, no matter what my weight number. I shall spend some time pondering and appreciating that. Thank you. And then I was very excited to hear from Stephanie aus Deutschland. That's Stephanie from Germany. Hi, guys. Hi, Lucy slash Helen. Welcome. I very much enjoyed this episode. I have stopped weighing myself and using my calorie counting app for about a week now. And while it makes me feel liberated, it also makes me feel nervous. And Stephanie, I have exactly the same issue with logging my runs. If my phone runs out of battery and I can't record my results, I stop and go home and usually have a little binge to make myself feel better. If it's not written down, it doesn't count. And if I'm tired after running for an hour, but my app doesn't tell me I had enough, I'll keep running. We really do need to stop abusing our poor bodies. They give us so much and we treat them worse than we would treat any animal. Then Stephanie from Germany goes on to make excellent comments about portion size and her journey with intuitive eating that I was talking about as well. And here's the first part of her post. I've been trying to follow intuitive eating and I can relate to what Lori says about portion sizes. My thoughts usually go like this. Number one, I can have whatever I want. Great. I will have food XY, which I've restricted, so something quote-unquote unhealthy, which is fine, but high in calories, so by logic I should feel full after a small amount. Number two, I don't like throwing away food, so I will prepare a small portion. Number three, 
the portion is so small, I only get to eat a little, starts feeling nervous and deprived. Number four, when my plate is empty, I want more, and I am now too stressed out, because I should be full, about not being able to tell if I am full or not. Number five, really depends. Sometimes I overeat, sometimes I decide to revisit the situation in 20 minutes, and I am fine. And Brave Companions, I'm going to post the link on today's show notes. You can go give the rest of this really good comment a read. Danke, Stephanie aus Deutschland. By the way, I made Spätzle yesterday and haven't had it in years. Spätzle is a German cross between tiny dumplings and egg noodles that you usually serve sautéed in butter. And this comes, for me, under reintroducing forbidden foods. Steph, from Quebec, went on to research her quantification of ourselves idea and then posted this. I've checked out the correct term. It's quantified self. Lots of literature on that. And then she gives us a link, and I'll put that on the show notes too. She goes on to say, Congrats, ladies, in your efforts and successes with intuitive eating. I see you are learning plenty. Stephanie. Well, Stephanie, what a great segue. I'm going to turn off this recorder now, and I'm going to listen to Stephanie's secret topic. And then we'll be right back with whatever thoughts I have on what she asked me. In a world where robot aliens beam down to silence truth with sneaky weapons. Lori and her ragtag band of brave companions seek training to overcome robot aliens' stealth attack. A new voice of hope shines bright in the Zen place. Introducing Stephanie's secret topic of the day. Hi, Laurie. This is Stephanie from Quebec. The topic I want to propose to you today concerns a more um, sociological uh, view. one thing I've noticed lately on going on your podcast and listening to other bra- listening and reading about other brave companions is that it seems to be pretty obviously a woman's struggle. I've listened a couple of podcasts from uh, Alan Standish that uh, insists on saying it's uh, very much also uh, uh, a man's struggle. But what I seem to notice is that um, it definitely is an issue with us women. So I I was wondering what your thoughts were about that. Have a good one. Well, Stephanie, that's an interesting question, and I actually probably should call up Alan and ask him to expound on this himself, because I'll tell you, I do have men, brave companions, who write to me privately, but the men, for the most part, we've had a couple who have posted once or twice, but then they don't follow up consistently. But I do have some men in the background who email me and talk about this issue. I think that compulsive overeating and binge eating does impact you regardless of your gender. I think, though, that women feel more comfortable talking to each other about our problems. You know, like my husband is one of those big, strong, silent type guys, 
and he's not going to call like his brother up and and talk about his emotional pain or something like that. He's going to say, hey, did you go bike riding or how's work or, you know, what what kind of thing is going on with sports? Guys, a lot of the time just don't like to socially admit a weakness. Now, the women that do participate either publicly or privately, you know, we have shame. Like we feel shame about admitting our weakness, but I think as women, we are more conditioned to be able to admit our shame at least to our girlfriend and not feel too bad. And I think the brave companions that talk to me regularly or participate in the show and allow their stories to be told like yourself, Stephanie, that we feel like friends to each other. So it's easier for us to admit it. One of Alan's big reasons for making his podcast was to be a place as a man who also experienced dealing with binge eating disorder to be a safe place for men to go knowing that he was suffering from that. So yes, they are out there. I just think that men don't like to talk about it as much. Maybe men don't usually like to talk as much as women. Not too many men, except for maybe Alan, likes to talk as much as me. <laughs> Hi, Alan. I'm just joking. But, you know, it's really kind of cool that you brought up that you've been listening to Alan's podcast because this is the day that Alan's first podcast is going to go live, renamed Progress Not Perfection. It's a really big deal. So I hope you brave companions, if you're interested in the perfectionism, as especially as it applies to overeating or eating issues, you guys will go give Alan's podcast a try. And I'm going to go put a link to it as soon as it goes live. So give a listen. Alan also said that he thinks he's going to post his show where he interviewed me next Thursday. And I think that's July 10th. So I'll keep you posted on whether that comes true. If you remember, I walked around the park well, Alan talked to me on the phone, and he conducted an interview with me for his show, Progress Not Perfection, that used to be called Quit Binge Eating. But, you know, I am going to ask Alan if maybe he wouldn't record something or talk to me on that issue. Hi, Lori. Hey, I really appreciate you forward me uh, Stephanie's question. Is uh, binge eating disorder and other eating disorders primarily an issue with women? And of course, when a person looks out on the internet or goes to the library and looks at all the books on the bookshelf about eating disorders, you would quickly begin to think that, uh, yeah, it's primarily a, a woman's challenge. But statistically... It's even, it turns out, especially with binge eating disorder. The challenge is men don't openly talk about it. And this goes back to fear of shame and men trying to avoid situations where they feel and look vulnerable to others. Bottom line, just like men don't ask directions, most men don't ask for help. And just like economics, it's supply and demand. When there's not a lot of demand for help, because men feel they have to be quiet about it, there's just not that many resources out there for men to turn to. So most men suffer in silence, and they do what their fathers have done before them. They just grin and bear it. You know, for me, I'm blown away by the number of emails and messages I get from other men that uh, thank me for the podcast and letting them know that they're not the only ones out there. 
there's a lot of men I know that struggle with this. And I hope there's more folks like myself, guys, that will talk more openly about it so the dialogue can start and men can quit feeling so much shame about their eating disorders. So, Stephanie, great question. So thanks for bringing it up, Stephanie. As always, I love to hear Stephanie's secret topic. So, brave companions, we've had a lot to talk about today. So if you're feeling foolish, give me a call and tell me a joke. If you feel brave, call the Bravery Hotline and tell your story or come post on day 60. Let's all give thumbs up to Helen for telling us who she is. And until next time, you guys take care because I really care. I'm a slave without a master, heading for disaster, kicking up the dust in the middle of the road. I've been waiting on a free ride, ticket to a seaside thicket on the edge of Puget Sound. There I'll sit, I'll admit that I was only just a guest inside my skin. And by the dawn, I'll be gone and won't be home.